It's 8 o'clock. Good morning. This is Northern Light for Friday, December 22nd. I'm Monica Sandreski. And I'm Todd Moe. Clarkson University is eliminating humanities and communications majors to cut operating costs and make way for new STEM majors. More details coming up. Two key environmental measures involving deforestation and the health of the state's honeybee population have been sent to the governor. This is hands down the most important large-scale climate bill still facing Governor Hochul, that she has the opportunity to lead on at a critical moment in the world. Governor Hochul has 10 days to decide whether to accept or reject them. John Warren checks the trail conditions for us in the Adirondacks this Christmas weekend. And the Lake Placid Olympic facilities are bidding to host sliding sports for the 2026 Olympics. The USRPC stands firmly behind this bid effort and believes that their proposal presents a compelling solution to host an extraordinary Olympic and Paralympic experience. Their expertise and dedication have really made them an ideal candidate to host the sliding sports of bobsled, skeleton, and luge. All of that and more is coming up on Northern Light. Stick with us. Broadcast of Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio is supported by Seacom Credit Union, serving the financial needs of people throughout northern New York and northwestern Vermont, in person, online at seacom.org, and on your smartphone. And by St. Lawrence Health, offering MyCare, a way for patients to access health information and stay connected to their care team. Registration is available at stlawrencehealthsystem.org. This is Northern Light. I'm Monica Sandreski. And I'm Todd Moe. Clarkson University will be phasing out nine majors over the next three years. The Board of Trustees approved a new reorganization plan earlier this week that will cut down net operating costs. The university will eliminate majors in the humanities and communications and shift its focus more towards STEM. That's science, technology, engineering, and math. Kelly Cheesham, Clarkson's VP for External Relations, says fewer than 20 jobs will be immediately impacted. Some positions will go away, but the employees themselves may be able to keep working for the university. I know we've had uh, some positions that uh, may need to just be eliminated, but I think it's still, again, too early to tell all of the ways that people may want to be transitioning and moving around the institution knowing which degree programs we're going to be finishing out, et cetera. And the university has other job openings. And so, of course, people internally can always uh, apply and transition into a new role. The university told students in an email that they'll all be able to complete the degree programs they've already started. Enrollment in Clarkson's humanities programs has declined over the years. Chisholm said the university has always been STEM-focused. It's phasing out all nine of its majors in the humanities, social sciences, communications, media, and design, including history, literature, and political science. But those majors represent less than 2% of students. Chisholm said the university is planning to introduce even more more STEM majors in the next few years. In order to create new programs, we want to look for ways that we can reallocate our funding to make those work. Like businesses, 
Uh, you, sometimes you have to decide what you're not going to do anymore in order to be able to really flourish and do the new things you want to do. Universities in the North Country and around the nation have faced declining enrollment and financial challenges over recent years, especially since the pandemic. SUNY Potsdam also announced this year that it will be cutting nine-degree programs. Governor Hochul has until the end of the year to sign or veto over 100 key bills, two key environmental measures involving deforestation and the health of the state's honeybee population are among them. As Karen DeWitt reports, Hochul has 10 days to decide whether to accept or reject them. Governor Hochul says she's been busy in December, working on two major upcoming presentations and delving into the details of dozens of bills that remain to be acted on before December 31st. Hochul spoke after a recent public event. You're lucky I'm here today because I spend most of my hours now looking at working on the budget, working on the state of the state, and the remaining 125 bills or so we have to do. Two bills that need to be acted on by Saturday, December 23rd, concern environmental issues. One would help prevent the destruction of tropical rainforests. It would ban state contracts with companies that use tropical hardwoods to make their products. It also prohibits the state from buying products including beef, soybeans, palm oil, coffee, cocoa, and paper products that come from an at-risk forest area. Contractors would have to certify that their products don't contribute to tropical deforestation or degradation. Vanessa Fagens-Turner with Environmental Advocates says ongoing deforestation has led to 15% of total global greenhouse gas emissions. This is hands down the most important large-scale climate bill still facing Governor Hochul that she has the opportunity to lead on at a critical moment in the world. Senate sponsor Liz Kruger says the European Union has already adopted a ban, and she says similar standards in New York will help businesses here. Because they want to sell their products to the EU. And so if they're not meeting these standards, they're not going to be competitive in the world markets. And we want them to be competitive in the world markets. So this is a win for our New York businesses. But some business groups don't see it that way. The lumber and building trades industry warns that the bill could have unintended consequences. They say it could severely affect supply chains, cause job losses, drive up the already high costs of building materials, and worsen the state's affordable housing crisis. Senator Kruger says legislative staff members have been working with the governor's aides on possible changes to the bill, known as chapter amendments. But so far, no final agreement has been reached. I am still cautiously optimistic we can end this year with a bill we can all be proud of. Another bill would ban the use of a class of pesticides known as neonicotinoids. The chemical is used on seed coatings to help farmers more easily control harmful pests. Advocates, including the Natural Resources Defense Council's Dan Rachel, say neonicotinoids are among the most potent pesticides ever created and are contributing to the alarming decline of the honeybee population. We now know that their ecologically destructive impacts are likely worse than any class of pesticides since DDT. The state's Farm Bureau is against the bill. The group's Jeff Williams says the ban would have adverse consequences and would require farmers to spray much larger amounts of pesticides directly onto their crops in order to control crop-destroying insects. When it comes to seed treatments, an active ingredient of that pesticide is only an ounce per acre uh, at most. 
if farmers were spraying pesticides on the field, the same pesticides, it'd be gallons per acre. Hochul has made it a tradition not to tip her hand in advance on whether she will accept or reject a piece of legislation. All will be known by the stroke of midnight on New Year's Eve, so stay up late. Those concerned about the fate of the bills might have to do just that. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt. Listening to Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio. It's nine minutes past eight. Good morning. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandreski. Coming up in just a minute, John Warren checks the trail conditions for us on this Christmas weekend. That's coming up right here on Northern Light. by Evan Veenstra in Gananaque, Ontario. Morning, uh, rather, Northern Light, supported by the Depot Theatre Westport, a professional equity theatre in the Adirondacks, celebrating its 45th season, depotheatre.org. And Adirondack Foundation, connecting people, ideas, and resources to improve lives and expand opportunities throughout the Adirondack region. Details at adirondackfoundation.org. The Olympic Regional Development Authority has submitted a bid to host the 2026 Winter Olympic sliding competitions, even though the Olympics are being held in Italy. Orda manages and maintains the Olympic venues in Lake Placid. WAMC's Pat Bradley reports. The 2026 Winter Olympics will be held in Milan, Cortina, Italy. In October, the organizers informed the International Olympic Committee that the Italian government wanted the sliding events moved because it had become too expensive to refurbish the existing tracks, which had been used during the 1956 Olympics and subsequently closed. Bids were then requested from any current sliding venues to host the 2026 competitions. U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee CEO Sarah Hirschland announced Thursday that the Olympic Regional Development Authority in Lake Placid wants in. Their expertise and dedication have really made them an ideal candidate to host the sliding sports of bobsled, skeleton, and luge. The USOPC stands firmly behind this bid effort and believes that their proposal presents a compelling solution to host an extraordinary Olympic and Paralympic experience. 
The bid details bobsled, luge, and skeleton facilities in Lake Placid and cites decades of experience hosting major winter sports events. It outlines the location for an athlete's village, spectator accommodations, and provides a logistical plan and proposed schedule to shuttle athletes between Lake Placid, New York City, and Milan. Olympic Regional Development Authority Director of Communications Darcy Rowe Norfolk is also bid director. The INC um, recommended to Milano Cortina that it consider only existing operating tracks for this bid. And we are an active and fully operational track right here in New York State that is willing and able to serve and be a part of the Olympic movement in this capacity. So right now we even are hosting the uh, Luge World Cup, um, which kicks off, you know, the season in Luge. And so just, just an example of how we are at a high level giving athletes great experiences and willing and able to host great events. New York State Assemblyman D. Billy Jones supports the Orta bid. The Democrat says, win or lose, it's a way to showcase the world-class facilities in Lake Placid. New York State has invested hundreds of millions of dollars in these facilities in the past several years. You know, the Olympics are set to be in Milan Cortina, and they do not have a track. So what do we have in Lake Placid? World-class facilities for the sliding sport. So why wouldn't we put in a bid? We also marry in New York City on this because we have proposed to having the medal ceremonies at Rockefeller Center or to put together a wonderful proposal. And this is a solution for the IOC, for a situation that they find themselves in, and we're ready to go. The U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee says Salt Lake City, which is the site of the only other sliding complex in the U.S., declined to submit a bid because it's preparing for the 2034 Winter Olympics. In Plattsburgh, New York, I'm Pat Bradley for North Country Public Radio. The mayor of Plattsburgh is calling on the city to once again consider changing its form of government. Democrat Chris Rosenquist says he wants a new commission to explore changing from a strong mayor model to a council manager form. Under the current setup, the mayor is the city's chief executive and presides over the common council. A council manager government would include elected councillors and a mayor plus a hired city manager. Rosenquist says the current format leads to the potential for inconsistency every time a new mayor is elected. I would support it uh, if this commi- if this commission comes forward and says, "Look, you know, out, out of all the out of all the outreach that we've done and all the communication that we've made and the research, and it does lend itself to uh, the city of Plattsburgh does lend itself to uh, changing or moving into that type of form of government." I would one hundred percent support it. A 2016 referendum to change the Plattsburgh City Charter failed with just 40% of voters in support. The five-member commission named by Rosenquist is made up of locals with a range of backgrounds. It will research the issue, hold public outreach sessions, and produce a final report. If approved by the Common Council, the referendum would be placed on next November's ballot to to be implemented in 2025. Meanwhile, the city has also appointed a new police chief. Captain Peter Mitchell was tapped at last night's council meeting. Three councillors voted yes, one voted no, and two 
abstained. Mitchell says he's been with Plattsburgh City Police for almost 25 years. His appointment is provisional pending his successful completion of a civil service test in March. Former Warren County Sheriff Nathan Bud York most recently led the department as provisional police chief for more than a year. The city hasn't had an active permanent police chief in about three years. Governor Hochul announced this week that $100 million of state funding will be going towards making child care more accessible in New York. The money will be divided between two initiatives, one to build or expand child care centers and one to give tax credits to businesses if they provide child care for their employees' kids. Funding for the program to build new child care centers or expand existing ones will be divided 60-40 between the downstate region and the rest of the state. Grant applications for that program will be due at the end of March. The Children's Home of Jefferson County is in the middle of its annual holiday fundraising campaign. The not-for-profit has been serving low-income families in the North Country for, for, excuse me, for more than 150 years. Lucy Grinden has more. The Children's Home of Jefferson County runs about 20 different programs, serving more than 2,000 clients. Its holiday fund drive is just for clients' holiday and wintertime needs. We've had a lot of requests lately for um, hats, gloves, and um, boots or proper shoe wear. That's Christy Amon from the Children's Home. She says last week some holiday funds went toward winter boots for kids who hang out at the teen center in Watertown. Teens sometimes show up there in canvas sneakers or Crocs. And they're coming in there and their feet are cold. So the center's coordinator bought a boot dryer and someone donated a bunch of hand-knitted slippers. So when some of the teens come in with wet shoes, she's able to put the shoes on the boot dryers and give them some slippers to wear while they're there so their shoes can dry before they head home. The children's home also helps families pay for heat, food, shelter, and transportation. They even provide gift cards so parents can buy their kids a gift. But some presents can only arrive by sleigh. The Children's Home runs a foster care program called Fostering Futures in six counties. At the program's holiday party in Canton last Friday, Santa Claus himself showed up. He had a red velvet bag spilling over with gifts. There's another Yeah, there's all sorts of presents in there, is there? All different kids. You need different presents. Some of the kids told Santa what they want for Christmas, but they wouldn't tell a reporter. It's a secret. I can't tell anyone. Nancy Stubbins from Waddington has been a foster parent for a decade. As you can see, <laughs> they're madly in love with Santa Claus and Christmas, and that's what makes Christmas great. I just love it. I love to see their smiling. I love to see them happy. So every Christmas that we've had foster children, it's been the best. The Children's Home of Jefferson County's fundraiser for the holidays will continue through the end of the year. Lucy Grinden, North Country Public Radio.
You're listening to Northern Lights right here on North Country Public Radio. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandreski. In just a minute, music for the holiday season from Peggy Lynn. That's in just a couple of minutes. Then stick around after the show for Bird Note, how to get started with a bird feeder. No need to feel daunted. We'll find out more coming up at 842. But first, Todd has a look at the weather for us. Another day of sunshine, according to the Weather Service, with highs today around 30. We started out with uh, single digits in some areas. It was like one above in Newcomb when I first got into work this morning. So highs today, 20s, near 30. Light winds out of the north-northeast with clear skies today and tonight. Lows in the teens overnight tonight. Tomorrow, uh, sunshine in the southern Adirondacks, Glen Falls, Lake George. But uh, partly cloudy skies, maybe some light snow showers uh, tomorrow. Highs in the 30s, light winds out of the south. Sunday, Christmas Eve, cloudy skies, a high around 40 in the afternoon. And Monday, Christmas Day, partly cloudy and relatively mild. Highs mid-40s with winds out of the south-southwest. Right now, 11 above in Canton with sunshine. And here's John Warren with a check of outdoor conditions for this holiday weekend. On Saturday, sunrise will be at about 729 and sunset at about 421. Last night was the winter solstice, so the length of daylight will be slowly growing longer. Last night was also the coldest night so far this season, but it will be getting warmer through the weekend, although some flurries or a localized snow shower are possible. Snow melt and rain this week caused some flooding and lots of washouts of roads and trails. That water has begun to make its way to Lake Champlain, which is approaching flood stage. Some minor shoreline flooding is expected there. High peak summit temperatures are expected to be near freezing through the weekend with wind chills in the teens and 20s. However, DEC is advising recreationists to avoid backcountry adventures this weekend. Rivers and streams are very high and dangerous, especially in the high peaks. Water crossings will be difficult or impassable. There is considerable blowdown yet to be cleared and trail washouts to be assessed and trails rerouted where necessary. Conditions are very icy and most of our snow is gone, except above about 2,500 feet. Backcountry skiing can no longer be recommended. Cross-country skiing at groom facilities has also come to an end, although there may be some skiing by Sunday at Mount Van Hovenberg. Downhill skiers and boarders will have some opportunities this weekend at Gorn Whiteface with very limited skiing elsewhere. Call ahead to smaller mountains. Those are the outdoor conditions in the Adirondacks this weekend. For North Country Public Radio, this is John Warren from the New York Almanac. Online at newyorkalmanac.com. Be the light you long to see at this darkest time of year. Be the light of peace in the world, banishing hate and fear. Be the the sunrise that ends someone's desperate night appearing on the horizon This darkest time of year Be the light of peace in the world 
wishing hate and fear. Be the light of forgiveness, a lantern to light the twisted trail, calling the prodigal Love that cannot fail. Oh, won't you be the light you long to see at this darkest time of year? Be the light of peace in the world, banishing hate and fear. Shadows are dispelled. Oh, won't you be the light you long to see at this darkest time of year? Be the light of peace in the world, banishing hate and fear. The Light. That's Peggy Lynn, and I think I heard Dan Berggren and uh, uh, Dan Duggan there on harmonies and uh, some of the other acoustic instrumentation. Be the Light. Peggy Lynn, Dan Duggan, Dan Berggren. On this Friday, the uh, 22nd of December, a lot of things happening around the region uh, this weekend for Christmas, obviously, but also Light, uh, wild lights. You've got a couple more nights to check out the wild lights at the Wild Center in Tupper Lake. This illuminated winter wonderland exploring the sights and sounds of wild lights. Uh, it starts at 5 from 5 to 8 tonight and tomorrow night at the Wild Center in Tupper Lake. And Luminance, an exhibit of paintings by George Ann Gaffney. Uh, you've got until the end of the year. Check that out. Uh, they're uh, water lily and floral paintings on gilded panels by George Ann Gaffney at the Adirondack Artists Guild 
on Main Street in Saranac Lake. And I want to remind folks about a couple of things going on at the Tawny Center, at least through the end of the year. First, we've talked about the Sugar and Spice Gingerbread Contest and Exhibit. Folks have submitted to those. The theme, what's the theme of the Gingerbread House again? Todd, you know what that uh, is. It's handmade, handmade. Yes, yeah. yes. I know uh, Barb Heller made a quilt out of gingerbread. And um, and uh, you can check out what other folks have submitted to the gingerbread contest um, at the Tawny Center. That will be on display through the 30th. You can find out more at tawny.org. Also while there, the exhibit on display now, Willing Hands. It's a series of portraits focusing on hands at work by Catherine LaPointe Vollmer that's on display at the Tawny Center through the 30th. You can go to tawny.org for more information. With a little music by Vince Garaldi, Christmas time is here. And a reminder to join us tonight at 7 o'clock for the program It's Jazz, Charlie Brown, the Vince Garaldi story, an hour-long tribute to the music and life of pianist, composer, and jazz pianist Vince Garaldi. One of many Christmas programs this weekend. Join us tonight. It's Jazz, Charlie Brown, 7 o'clock. That's it for Northern Light on this Friday, uh, just before Christmas weekend. Thanks for joining us. Morning edition continues in just a minute. Then after that, it's the Marketplace Morning Report coming up between 8.51 and 9 o'clock. I'm Monica Sandreski. I'm Todd Moe. From all of us here at North Country Public Radio, have a safe, happy Christmas weekend.